We all make mistakes. Pastor Ed Ray with how we should handle them. Quit looking at the sins, the mistakes you made, and confess them and move on. When he says, reaching forward, he says, I don't look back. It doesn't do any good to look back and beat yourself, oh, what could have been, what should have been, why, why did I do that? No, no, no. Confess it, Lord, forgive me that was sin, and then boom, just move on. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your John chapter 20 records the most exciting event ever told, the resurrection of Jesus. Now we might think that anything following that account is nothing but victory. Today on Grow in Grace, Pastor Ed Ray brings us to John 21, where Peter and the disciples make a decision to return to their former jobs in the fishing industry. But though they were experts in their field, their self-efforts would result in fruitlessness. Join us as Pastor Ed unpacks things for us and offers some perspective on the importance of walking in the will of God and not going back to your former life. From the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands, here's Pastor Ed now in John chapter 21. This chapter has been called by hook and by crook since 1380. In 1380, Wycliffe, the guy who translated the Bible first into English, wrote a little tract, and this was the title of it, By Hook and By Crook. What does that mean? Well, the first half that we read this morning was about fishing, about evangelism, about reaching out to other people that don't know God. And we'll see next week, the second half, is about taking care of sheep. It's about nurturing believers, particularly new believers, helping them along the road of life. Well, what's that got to do with me? Everything. That's exactly what you and I have been called to. Our lives are to be spent searching for ways to bring other people to Christ, fishing, if you will. And the second half of it is sheep herding or helping young believers grow, nurturing them, helping them through difficult times. That's the call on your life. Now, I've known pastors and churches that get those two in a battle. They, well, we're an evangelistic church. We're always reaching people for Christ. We're fishing. Or, no, no, we take care of the sheep. We're a nurturing church. But this chapter says we have to do both. And it makes our lives much more interesting that we, have, we are to have contact with people who are lost. Hello? You and I are supposed to have encounters with people who are not Christians. The pastor's telling us to hang out with non-Christians. Listen, if you can't handle it, don't do it. But get your strength up because God wants to use you to talk to people that would not come to church. 
There are probably some of you here this morning that are going, this is the first time I've ever been in church. This is the weirdest church I ever saw. One of those guys doing playing guitars and drums and all that stuff. But God has called us as a church to open the doors. And strange people come here, have you noticed? You know, we had all different colors, hair and tattoos and piercings and motorcyclists, gang members, bangers. They're all here. Thank God they're all here. Yes. Well, what about those people who are different? You know, Pastor, the whole trans thing, the whole gay thing, the whole, listen, Jesus invited everyone to hear the gospel. They have to decide what to do with it, but you're welcome to come and hear. And please don't misunderstand that, but that is our mission as a church to be fishing. It's not just people who dress right and, you know, grew up in the right, perfect Christian home. Sorry, there's not too many of us here who did that. Or if we did, we so rebelled from it that God had to send the hounds of heaven after us and drag us into the kingdom of God. I won't ask for a show of hands, uh, just letting you know. So we're looking at evangelism and sheep herding, being a shepherd and helping young lambs. And he's saying to the disciples, that's what you're called to, but you are a disciple. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you surrendered your life to him, if you've asked him to forgive your sin. It's really a beautiful chapter that talks about the grace of God. Grace? Grace is unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor with God. God likes you. God likes every person. God so loved the, the most known scripture in the world. They, they got a baseball games, football games and everything. I'm not sure we're listening to it. God loves the world. And he sent his only begotten son for the world, for people who are fish running around in the sea without a direction. So, Distractions is kind of the subtitle of this chapter. It's so easy in our lives to get distracted. The 21st century, I think, is the worst so far. You know, there's, there's just craziness. TVs and most of us here have a, a computer in your pocket. You mean my cell phone? Listen, your cell phone is smarter than all the computers I ever trained on at university 40 years ago. The cheapest flip phone is faster than what we were looking at with IBMs in the 1970s. 1970s, goodness gracious, Pastor, how are you? How old are you? Do the math. <laughs> but God's call is for us to stay focused and don't get sidetracked. You know, you check your email and then it's got a link to some story that comes out of Georgia, and that has another link to some place in South America, and then you read the article about the dancing Indians. Pretty soon, you forgot you were reading your email. That's how this thing started. Distractions in life. Telephone rings, and you go, well, what was I doing? Somebody walked into the green room and said, why am I walking in here? Listen, if you don't know, I can't help you. <laughs> you have to make that decision. 
Most likely my life gets filled with the tyranny of the urgent, okay? I have a little sign in my office, resist the tyranny of the urgent. That thing that seems so important at the minute, you know, the fire. And so you rush to put it out and then you never get back to the main thing that you were supposed to be doing. Distractions, so many of them. Our lives get filled with the tyranny of the urgent. So we are here looking at the disciples this morning who have gotten distracted. They went back to what they used to be. It's only a few weeks from the time Jesus appeared to them, not once, but twice. He shows up the night of the resurrection, and then eight days later, he shows up and shows himself to Thomas. Here, Thomas, put your finger in my side. They're all amazed about two or three weeks after that, because Jesus is only on earth for 40 days after he resurrected. So two or three weeks later is where we are in this story. And the disciples are distracted. They're discouraged. They're frustrated. The Messiah, who they thought was going to lead them against the Roman armies and throw all the invaders out of Israel, has been brutally killed in front of them, and they're struggling. Now, this story, particularly the part that has to do with the fish that we're looking at this morning, it sounds familiar because a very similar thing happened when Peter, Simon Peter, was first called from fishing. He was a professional fisherman. It's what he did for a living, and Jesus called him. Shortly thereafter, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus walks onto the beach. By the way, that film was taken uh, very close to Capernaum. In other words, it's shot on the site that these things happen. Those of you that have been to Israel probably recognize it. That was the Sea of Galilee. Those fish are the same fish that are there today. And so Jesus is walking on the shore, and he sees a couple of boats there, in Luke chapter 5, and the men are out of the boat. They're washing in this. Jesus walks over and, and steps into the boat, and it's Simon Peter's. And he said, Peter, take me out a, a little bit from the land, because there was such a huge crowd there. They were pressing him back against the Sea of Galilee. So he went out 10, 15, 20 feet, and he taught the crowd. And when he had finished, wouldn't you like to have been to that Bible study Want to take, check that one out when we get to heaven. And, and then Jesus says to him, take the boat out. He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And so when he had done this, he caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. They signaled for their partners to come. This is the way Simon Peter was drawn into the ministry away from living as a professional fisherman. Now, after Jesus is dead and has appeared to them, risen from the dead, he's struggling and he decides to go back to it, back to what he was doing when he first met Jesus. We're growing in grace through a study in John 21 with Pastor Ed Ray. Let's get right back to it. This section breaks up into three parts. 
going fishing the first three verses, God's way versus our way, four through six, and then the abundance that comes when you do what God wants you to do, what you've been designed to do with your life. Jump in, verse one. After these things, that'll become an important Greek phrase, metatauta, when we get to the book of Revelation, in each section, John introduces the new section with those words. So what he's saying to us as we've been working our way through John chapter 20, now we're at chapter 21, after these things. After what things? After Jesus had suffered, after he had died, after he'd been taken down from the cross and buried, after he'd risen from the dead, after he appeared to Mary and the other woman, after he appeared Peter and to John, after he had gone through all those things, after these things, the disciples were so moved by meeting him that they went out to preach the gospel. No. They were so discouraged, they're sitting around the Sea of Galilee where they were supposed to be, Jesus said in Matthew 18, that you're to go up to Galilee and wait on the mountain. He didn't say which mountain, but they evidently knew what he meant. Some think it was the mountain that the Sermon on the Mount was taught on. But they were supposed to be waiting on the mountain. Instead, they're at the seashore, and Simon Peter and is going to lead, and he's going to lead them astray, basically. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas called Dudamas, this is doubting Thomas, Nathaniel of Canaan, Canaan is only about 18 miles up the, the valley from the Sea of Galilee. The sons of Zebedee, two sons, John and James, they're called the sons of thunder because they wanted to burn down a village that had rejected them. Jesus said, mm, maybe not, guys. And two other disciples were together. Now, a couple things here. Number one, John doesn't identify himself except as a son of Zebedee. Every other place in the book, every other place in the Gospel of John, he identifies himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you remember that about yourself? That's just as true about you as it is about John. He's a little embarrassed about where he is, so he says he's just one of the sons of thunder. But you, believer, you are loved by God. That should keep you up at night. That should change the way you walk around. The change the way you look at yourself, how important you are to God. God loves you personally. So we could spend a lot of time there, but that's the other subtitle of this chapter, the grace of God, the love of God being poured out on these guys so that we'll see it should be poured out on us. Now, they're in error. They're off the path because they know it. Jesus had said in John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay connected, abide in me, then you will bear, you will display much fruit in your life. Fruit? I'm supposed to sell fruits and vegetables? No. No. 
the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience. And, and that will come out of your life and people will see you and say, how come you're so calm? Is that what they do? Or do they say, man, you got to chill out. <laughs> you're out of control. The love of God works its way into our hearts. So that's what's going on here in John's heart. And they are ready to go fishing. Peter says, I'm going fishing. I can't wait any longer. I'm too depressed. It's too difficult here. And because he's a natural leader, they say, well, we're going with you. And that, those of you that are fishermen, you know that's the way it works. You know, you say, I'm going fishing, and three other guys want to go with you. They went out, immediately got into a boat, and that night they caught nothing. See a Galilee, you fish at night, because the, the water's so clear, they can see the boat, the fish won't come near it. So they put a, in those days, they put a lantern on the front of the boat, and they would throw about a 12-foot diameter net out all around the boat, going around it. All night long, they did that. And how did it go? Deciding to do something that they wanted to do, not what God told them to do. They caught zero. So next time you go fishing, guys or girls, and you catch zero, check your guidance. Are you where you're supposed to be? Now, it's not just that they're not where they're supposed to be. They're going back to where they were. Jesus said in Luke 9:62, no one having put his hand to the plow to follow Jesus and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Paul said something similar to the Philippians, Philippians 3:13. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Two lessons there. First one is don't look back don't try and go back to do what you were doing before you were a believer. It'll just drag you down. Number two, quit looking at the sins, the mistakes you made, and confess them and move on. When he says, reaching forward, he says, I don't look back. It doesn't do any good to look back and beat yourself, oh, what could have been, what should have been, why did I do that? No, no, no. Confess it, Lord, forgive me, that was sin. And then, boom, just move on. Well, you're treating a kind of cavalier pastor. No, I'm doing what Jesus said to do. If we're faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive our sins. It's that simple. Okay, so being outside of God's will brings unfruitfulness to your life. Peace, joy, long-suffering. Many times, God calls a person out of the very place that they are successful. Just because you left something that you knew God was moving you and you'd look back and say, oh man, why did I do that? I was really successful back there. It's illogical what God asks us to do and that's on purpose. So we'd learn to lean on him and not our own understanding. So Christianity is not using God to accomplish your goals. Christianity is God using you to accomplish his goals. That's the direction from the commander. That's for you and I. And so instead of doing what Jesus told them to do, follow him, go to this mountain and wait, they go back to fishing. Now there's nothing wrong with fishing, but for them, it was their old life. It was going back to the guys they hung with before. 
And they're on the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee, this is, they're in a place called Tabitha. They're doing things in their comfort zone, but not what God had asked them to do. And they're, they come up empty-handed. And now God's way, verse 4. And when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. I don't know why. We're not told why that they didn't recognize him. Maybe it was so early in the morning it was still kind of dark. Or we also see earlier two disciples on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him until he sat down with them to eat a meal and then they saw the nail prints in his hands. Mary, when she was the first at the empty tomb, she didn't recognize Jesus when he was standing there. She thought he was the gardener until he said, Mary. So uh, some say, well, that's because of all the scars from the torture. Maybe we do know that the scars from his hand, feet, and side will be there in heaven. They were there when Thomas came looking for them. Someone said it's the only thing man-made that will remain in heaven to remind us of all that he did for us. So they're in their comfort zone. We all have those. Some place where we go when you're struggling, when frustrating things have happened in your life. You know, your Linus's blanket. You remember Linus and Peanuts cartoon and carried around a blanket with his thumb in his mouth. Some of you did the same thing. You just don't want me to know about it. Just messing with you, trying to make sure you're still awake. He is leading them to fish. Jesus is standing there. And he calls out to them, verse 5, Children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. Now he used a, a word, pation, when he said children. And the Greek word is where we get our word for pediatrics, for a pediatrician. And so what he's saying to them is, young men or boys, <laughs> do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Now, several people have written that this is the biggest miracle in the whole Bible, that fishermen tell the truth. <laughs> they didn't catch anything. Ladies, you can deal with that at home. <laughs> they answered him, no. Well, he said to them, then cast your net on the other side of the boat. Now, this boat is seven foot wide and 28, 29 foot long. And they've been fishing all night, throwing the net all around the boat. That's the way you fish at night on the Sea of Galilee. And he says to them from the shore, throw it on the other side. Throw it on the right side. You've been using a right-handed net and throw it on the left side. That's a joke, okay? If you're a fisherman, you know, you move seven feet, it's not going to make any difference. So... They did it. They cast it. In the movie, it was Peter, probably. Now they were not able to draw it back in because of the multitude. It's full of fish. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. 
you'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you, and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.